it's it's so it's so it's bad. A little on the root, it's a little on the rude side. It's a, yeah, it's a little... aren't aren't we all, Dennis? How are you doing this lovely November evening? No, that was funny. What you said just then was funny. What about this being a lovely November evening? Come on. I don't. Even, I don't. Even, I didn't even know you said that. We're still. It doesn't alive. matter. It doesn't matter now. The moment's passed. Okay. It's a happy, happy hour. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to talk to you tonight. It's our happy. Cheers, cheers. It's our happy. And I have to say that I've showed you the Point Brewery amber lager that comes in a can before. Yes. Because I've had it on, on the show. But I bought it again, and now I'm more pleased than I was the last time that I did it. I will cap it off with a Smithix. But, and for the first time in a really long time, I like drinking out of a can, which is where I started when I was in late 7th grade, 8th grade. Drinking beers, it was always top cap beers by the railroad tracks with the boys. Insulting each other, yes. Actually, not that. maybe not so much then. Maybe, I don't know. That's an interesting point to make, though. That was later in high school that happened. This was still what would be called junior high. But in our school system, you went from elementary school right to high school. There wasn't another uh, level called. uh, That's what they do here in Spain. My daughter's about to finish elementary school and it's going to be thrust into what they call high school but freshman even so freshman. they well they don't have the term freshman because it's five years or whatever but it's oh the whole like i don't know that the 17 year olds are hanging out much with the 12 year olds it's there's i think they segregate themselves in, in such a way that it's not uh, well you don't mean 12 your daughter's not going to be a freshman when she's only 12 is she well is that true in seventh grade, yes. Oh, seventh grade. It's, it's like what you just said. We go. With... Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but we go directly from. Okay, so here after elementary school, there is no middle school. It's just directly to the high school, which starts at seventh grade. And what's grade. the end of elementary? Sixth. Ends where? Oh, that's the difference. Is that what we do? Is we keep those two years still in elementary. Uh-huh. We don't make the next two years a five-year commitment to what is high school is only four years. But anyway, I caught up with a buddy of mine who I hadn't talked to in 20 years. So we went to high school together. And it was this weird thing that happened where I was thinking about calling him, thinking about calling him, and uh, wanted to have enough time to talk to him. They didn't want to say, hey, how you doing? And then have to go for whatever. And while I was climbing into bed, I looked at my bookshelf. And on the bottom shelf, I noticed what I had noticed for in forever was there was a high school yearbook there. Ooh. From just, I don't know, 19, it was 30 years ago. 1843 or whenever you went to high school. (laughs) It's all black and white. It's true. It's all black and white. There's no color pictures. And I found my buddy, and he was in sports. There was a great basketball shot of him, and he was a runner. I I always admired him because he was such an athlete. I was too little to do much of anything, although we reminisced about, and I think I've told you this story, where when I was in high school, I got in a fight in the locker room with a football player and was so scared that he was going to kill me that I almost choked him to death. Because I knew if I let him go, okay, if hold I on. stopped choking him, then he fucking ruined me. Let's elaborate on this. He was on the football team that year. So he was in the locker room when that happened. That's a, that's a rare bunch of people. I think our football team had 14 guys. Okay. What happened here? You've gone. You've frozen. You're, you're, it's over. Hello. Bum, bum. Fucking froze out, man. Okay, Dennis, tell me more about this story of the fight in the locker room where you thought you were fighting to the death, like a gladiator. It ended up to be, in my memory of this, it ended up to be that it could very well end in a death of one of two people. What was the name of of your combatant? Mike. 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 And he was a lot bigger than you? He was a lineman. Oh, God. I was standing on the bench that he would sit on to take off his clothes. He was big to begin with, a big kid, and had on cleats. And had on shoulder pads. He was big. He's a lineman. And I was all of 5'7", probably, mm-hmm. 94 pounds. Okay? I was the size of a 12-year-old. Right. I was in high school. Yeah. My freshman year, I was. I grew seven inches between my freshman and my sophomore year. What uh, did you do? Between my sophomore and my junior year. What did you do to oh, anger so, him? Or he you? 
<laughs> I didn't anger him. He angered me, and that was his big mistake. Because what he did that I won't tolerate, apparently. <laughs> Little did I know at the time. I was just forming my young, brittle character. But what he did was he made fun of me in front of everybody in the locker room. Ugh. And called me boy or ordered me around or did something that he thought was funny. And maybe threw a jersey and hit me in the face with it or something. And I was, I recall that when this happened, I was walking on the bench because all the players were in their lockers and standing in front of their lockers and changing. And I had to get from the front to the back. So rather than bump into them on the floor, I walked on the top of the fucking the bench. Right. So he did what he did. And I do maybe recall mm-hmm. that he threw a shirt in my face, whatever. And because of, by the time I got to him, I was walking toward him when he did this offensive thing. And what happened was after he did it, I think it did throw a dirty shirt in my face or a jock strap or something awful like that. I had taken one step. And my very next step, I was at right with him. And as it turns out, I was about a foot taller than him on the bench. And so I put him in a choke lock. And I bent him way over and leaned him over so that he was off. He was good. If I let him go, he would fall because mm-hmm. I had him pulled backwards. Right. So I got him in a choke lock. I pulled him backwards and I wouldn't let him go. So here's the first person that could die. It would be me. And that would what happened if I let him go prematurely. Because if I did that, he would pulverize me. And so that was one. The second consideration was that he would die. And I thought that was probably worth it. So so I held him just a moment longer than would have been medically advisable. uh And seriously. And when I let him go, he dropped down on the floor, hit his back on the bench as he went down. And I kept walking quickly, I'm sure on the bench and probably left the building or went in the back room where my op, where our where our manager's office was but there was no retaliation first of all no retaliation i can till years later i can totally smell the locker room where this is happening just by your vivid description second of all the idea that someone disrespects you and you go directly to homicide as the solution <laughs> is a little concerning. It was not my intention when I grabbed him by the neck to kill him. But once you had him by the neck. grab him by the neck, and somehow this would end in a way that I don't know what would happen. But I knew that it was the only way to get something to happen. I don't know what I expect him to tap me on the arm and say, excuse me. I do apologize. Time to apologize. I do apologize, old man. I meant nothing of it. Let me go. I'll give you a tuppence. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I just remember. So this is how the payback was. You tell me whether this was payback. Now it's years later. Wait, hold on. I'm probably a junior. Now that you have piqued my desire to hear this, I think it's payback with interest. It's what? Payback with interest. Now that I'm interested. Because, you know, you know, that border's unclever. It doesn't cross the border, though. One out of five. (laughs) She started scoring me. I think it was two episodes ago. (laughs) You said, that's a great story, Dennis. I'll give it a two out of five. I'll give give that clever, on a scale of cleverness, a one out of five. All right. Let's see how this payback scores. Come on. Cough up your payback. Oh, so it's years later. Fast, you know, go go in the future. A couple more years. Juniors need two or three years later. Because I was, no, wait a minute, I was a sophomore when I was a trainer. So this would have been senior because it was certainly two years later. And we were drinking in the neighborhood in the, in the in the fourth ward, or what we call the Fort Ward, in a part of the Fort Ward, in the which Fort was ward. all Polish, called Gushit Alley. And Gushit Alley was when you went to the last street up on the Fort Ward before the township ended, behind there was a dirt road and on that dirt road is where they raise their farm animals. And that's why we call the goose shit out. Mm-hmm. One of my buddies lived, his name was, his name was, what was his name? Tofield. And anyway, so we're in a shed. And there's about six of us in this little gardening shed of some kind, a goose shit alley. Probably where they kept the goose feed and the scooper pooper for the goose shit. And it was big enough for six young, five to six young high school guys sitting in there popping tops and drinking liquor, shots of liquor, six packs of beer smoking uh, marijuana and this dude the mike all right the mike from, from before yep 
He shuts the lights off. Oh, no. And starts swinging to be hilarious. And guess who he hit in the jaw? You. Yeah, I can tell. Knock me about the fuck out. Knock me down. What the fuck? You tell me. Hey, back. So, right. Accidents? I don't think so. I don't think so. Just happened to be me. (laughs) This reminds me of your other story where the lights went out and there was like a knife that went through a painting. With... (laughs) Well, that's close. On our episode of with Joe, it was a picture. Yes, it was a picture actually. Uh, yeah. And the and the, the guy's name was Dunkers, something. Anyway, was what? The story where there was a knife in the wall. Yeah, yeah. And the man's and the, the knife and, in the wall. And, and, and the big man's name was block, block was Chunk or something. The woman who, yeah, woman who uh, raided or what do you call it? Not raided. She didn't raid the bachelor's party. She trespassed. Yes. And my. This guy, man, but yeah. girlfriend do a badge. What? Bullshit. Who would do that? I know, right? Who would do that? I wouldn't. Anybody who would do that? I, in your life, can you imagine anybody doing it? I'm not sure what I we're talking about, but I, I don't. I wouldn't. Oh, so you yeah. called your friend. Oh, and we reminisced, and that was one of the stories we told. But it was great to catch up uh, with him, and uh, he is a courageous man. We picked right up pretty much where we left off years ago. I haven't talked to him in 15 years. He's retired. And Courageous in what way? He's got a lot of... Huh? Courageous yeah. in what way? In talking to you again? Or... <laughs> like, I have to steal my nerves every week when I call you? Well, yeah. His, like, he's had a lot of life experiences that are very difficult and mm-hmm. very stressful. And he is handles them with grace and courage. And nice. He's remarkable. He's remarkable. He's the essence of every, he's the essence of living every day in a be here now blessed way. It's it's striking. The essence of living every day in a be here now blessed every day. Blessed. Wow. Blessed way. Blessed way. I know. Wow. I yes. I want to walk the blessed way. That's nice. I like that. <laughs> no, you you can't. It's, no. I walk no. the way of the damned. Yeah. You you walk the way of the damned. Yes. So tell me about the golf tournament this week. I was only able to catch a little bit of it, but I was hoping that you would catch me up on the drama and the... So much. Yes. So much of it. I watch every stroke on Sunday. Every stroke. So the interesting thing was because of the fall weather and the rain that preceded and actually delayed the first day of the Masters. Because daylight was a factor, two and a half hours less per day than when played in April, there was this thing going on where very humid and very soft and eminently scorable. And folks come off, including Tiger, with a four under, and best was opening day was a seven under, and it was Casey, who's a remarkable golfer. And frankly, if you know him at all, he's a, is he an Aussie or is he a Brit? One of the two. But He loves to play golf in a way that shows him happy on the course. That's unusual. Dustin Johnson, the best golfer in the world, who ended up downing the green jacket in in a near-perfect round of golf, breaking, shattering the record of the number of strokes in, in the lead. But the whole scoring capability made it unbelievable, where it was seven under and eight under. And then, of course, historically, you go back to... Uh, uh, Jordan Spieth and to uh, Tiger and before him, Jack Nicklaus and on and on, where D- Justin Thomas blew that record out by two strokes. And his masterful par fives where he eagled again and again. And his nonchalant, completely, not nonchalant, just calm. Nonchalant's right. the wrong word. Calm demeanor. And and just the mildest of, fit, of, of fist pumps. He's just working it, doing the best he can. He's a man at work. It turns and out that's the way you job. that's the way you win. Yes. And he loves his job. He loves his job. He has no opponents. He only has the challenge of the golf course. His caddy is his brother. They are thick as thieves and they've been working on this their whole lives right. since they were in high school. And his brother of course hasn't caddied for him all that time. But he went to Norman to talk about his putting. And the shark told him Something or other. Greg Norman. And he was like a fucking laser putter. Whatever Greg Norman told him, which, you know, was more around 
concentration probably and you, more of, of what to think about putting rather than perhaps the mechanics of it. you got to wear a cool hat. But he was remarkable. But Cameron Smith, the Aussie, who had just won the Australian PGA, or I don't know what it would be, the equivalent of the U.S. Open, the Australian Open perhaps, young dude, who with growing your little whiskers there, you see the resemblance. And he was absolutely ice in his veins, putting the fuck out of this course. And he was laughing and he was happy and uh, he was threatening. And then the 22-year-old Korean, oh my God, it's come hard on, to, uh, it's, M. It's hard to put the fuck out of Augusta. M. Oh yeah, the, the winning, Dustin Johnson was 20 under par. The record had been 18. Holy shit. I didn't realize and he almost it made low. it 21. Yeah, yeah. And Isn't that always true? Your score is always, oh, it was almost one less, because you can always find the moment when you're about lift out or whatever. But yeah, he almost thirty the eighteenth, but took a nice part. But one of the stories of the day, and it's a two part story, is about Tiger. It's a three part story because Tiger Woods opened up strong, was absolutely comfortable, relaxed. Or is it a three par story? <laughs> First day, four under. Had, had a couple of bad moments, but not bad, blah, okay. blah, blah. But then, uh, yes, but then on Sunday, he got to Amen Corner, was at number 12 over Rice Creek. Amen, brother. And his caddy. Can I get an amen? Said to him, amen, praise the Lord, said to him, and this was audible. Oh, fuck this up. Said to him, well, I think it was an eight iron he was using for 156 over the creek, and said to him, use this something to this, use this, not so much about the club, but something else he was talking about. As it turns out, it was about the wind. And mm-hmm. he told Tiger, and if you get up there and you feel that it's anything different, then step back. And, and Tiger he... explained later, after, after shooting this 10 in the water, in the water a second time from the drop zone, in the sand trap, out of the sand trap, back in the water, he scored a 10, three strokes lower than the worst ever master score on that hole. Good job, Tiger, my man. <laughs> yeah. And that's part one of the story. Oh, part two of the story great. is, which also has two parts, was, so what happened? Wait, wait, wait. Well, You've criticized me before about having part two having two parts. And I just want to say big fuck you. <laughs> so, all right, fine. So now it's been expanded. Now to part four. Three parts. Okay. Part two is the next five holes to finish the next, let's see, it was, it was 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. The next six holes, yes. he birdied five of them. I saw that. That's what you saw happen. And his demeanor was the way that it was the opening day. Did I lose you? Wouldn't it be? It says reconnecting. There's a poor network connection. Can you hear me? Uh, I can hear you, yes. Hello. I'll just leave it. All right. Maybe it'll come back. How, so, how, we, hold on. how cool is that to make... St- such a big fuck up and then turn it around and laser fucking focus and just play the best golf possible. Like I'm sure his last six holes were the best scores of those six holes of everybody there because 500 for six holes. So what a lovely way to come back from just an epic fail, right? Because you are so spot on. So part three is the interview. And when he finished and he went in for the interview. The interviewer, a young woman, said, you certainly had one of the more interesting back nines that you've ever had in the Masters. <laughs> uh, with, a, with a 10, a number 12. And then you uh, went from there, and you birdied almost all of your next holes, five out of the six next holes. And he laughed. He laughed about his 10. And he said, yeah, I kind of lost the controller, but it was about the wind. He said, what we understood was that the wind was swirling, and it was swirling right for the two golfers in front of me. And when I went up, we thought that it probably would swirl right again, and as it turns out, it didn't, and it swirled left, and I failed to notice it. It was exactly what his caddy said to him, which was, it's swirling, but if it feels different when you're up there, step back. Tiger didn't perceive it, didn't step back. That strikes me as a little bit of excuse-finding bullshit. From who? Who's making excuses? Me? No. You are totally innocent in this endeavor. Tiger. Like, I, I think 
that, first of all, how strong is the wind blowing in fucking Georgia? Was there a Hurricane Omega you know or whatever we're up to now? Let me tell you how much. I can tell you exactly how much. It was blowing hard enough that it could blow a golf ball at 75 feet in the air, four feet off its target. That's how much the wind was gusting. It okay. wasn't that Tiger Woods didn't hit the right club and the right ball. It was that instead of it with the wind blowing the way that he said it would, it blew the other way. It was a difference of probably four feet when it hit the ground, which meant that way up in the air, the dimension would be a lot less. It would be a, okay. it would be a gust at that height. I, I, think it's, I think it's pretty remarkable of his, in, of his insight in hindsight. And of course, what his caddy had said, whether you, you, how you find that. But this is the other thing that he said, which is really more of the point of part three. He said, when you're out there, you're all alone. And you've got to decide what you're going to do in the face of adversity. There isn't anybody you can talk to or go to. There isn't a team that you talk to. It's up to you. Yeah, that's life. And man. in this case, I resolved to pay attention and do better. And I did. Hey. And he was smiling the whole time. He was so gracious. Yeah. It was great to see him. What I love about Tiger is he's aging a bit, is he's humanized more. And he shows a side of himself, which other people have seen all along, I'm sure, to a a greater extent than he ever puts on air. Sometimes he's overly serious when he's on camera, but he's grown comfortable in the skin where he's laughing and pictures of him laughing out loud as he's playing on opening day. I, there's nothing like it. Nothing like seeing it, seeing him out there and enjoying it. But he fucked up. He ended, ended up hitting a, a 72. He was out of it after Saturday. But Dustin yeah, uh, Johnson was remarkable. He was remarkable. So the, this kid, Cameron Smith, just to say one thing, he's the only person in the history of the Masters who ever hit off all rounds in the 60s. Wow. He scored better than any second-place person in the history of the Masters. No wonder he looks like me. Well, actually, you should see a little video of him, his demeanor and his swing. And it's not so – it's the whole demeanor of before he gets to the tee and warms up, as he warms up, He's got a great swing. You've got a very pretty swing as well. Oh. And then the demeanor afterwards. And so I just thought... Is he angry there. like me after the swing? He doesn't get angry because he's so much better than you. He doesn't hit uh, a lot of bad shots. Okay, that's, that's, that's going to help. You, okay, I've got two things to well. say. Number one. First of all... You, wait a minute. Do a drum roll because this is the I happy have, there's hour only podcast. There's only two. <laughs> list. One, the first list of the evening. Okay. <laughs> from Eric's notes. Okay, number one. Go. First of all, this whole bit with the wind blowing really quickly and all of a sudden, I can see why they call it Augusta. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's... And number two. That's, did you write that down? Did you have to write, did you have to write that one down? My whiteboard is so I smudgy. I see. <laughs> smudgy. All right. smudgy. Yeah, okay. Number two. Wait a minute. So anyone listening to this listens to podcasts, and there's an amazing podcast that I have started listening to but not finished called – fuck, I'm going to get it wrong now. It's called like The American Dream or something. Hold on. It's called – American called, Woman. It's called All American. American Woman. It's, so it's this podcast called All American that – they chose their the subject of their first season to be Tiger Woods. And ah. to begin with, they dug into the amazing craziness that was Tiger Woods when he first came onto the scene. And everyone was like, oh, my God, there is a – first of all, the way America is, we saw him as a black man before we saw him as an Asian. His mother is from Asia. Why? And we you – know He has black skin. Oh, it's about the color. That makes yeah. it, it all makes sense now. And just That's about what how hey, hey. So I call them black people. Oh. What's that? If you can guess what that is, I'll send you a hundred dollar bill. And you, you get thirty seconds. You are peddling your penny farthing podcasting equipment. I don't know. There's a 
Time's up. Something needs some oil. It's a wooden foot massager underneath my desk. I knew you were piddling. You lose. You spend anyway, dollars. so there's this interesting podcast about Tiger Woods and about how the nation and the world treated him and how he went from being just a kid to being the number one sports celebrity worldwide in the course of three or four months and just what that must do to one's psyche. And anyway, it's a it's an interesting thing. I will put that in the show notes. And how many episodes are there? Part uh, one and part two, did you say, or? No, there's. It's a season. There are about. And it's visual, right? No, it's a podcast like this. Podcast can you understand. There are nine episodes, I think, nine or ten, that I will put a link to. The and show. so, without visuals, which is a fascinating view of all of that, are they interviewing people or? Yes, yes, are, yes. Is, they oh, one of the one of the people interviewed is is a guy that was a Sports Illustrated journalist that. Early, very early on, before Tiger was anything, got assigned to Tiger and followed him and got to know his family and stayed at their at the same house that they were staying at in Augusta, Georgia, when he won the Masters that first time. What the and fuck was that embedded? Are you kidding me? So, oh my God, what a story! Right, exactly. So he yeah, knows a few things exactly. and about all of that happenings. So that's a pretty cool thing that I will put. That is the show really notes cool. at well, Happy Hour. Hold on, Happy Hour. FM. Slash zero eight five, eighty five. The, the shot, the shot of Tiger Woods, helping this huge man Dustin Johnson with the longest sleeve green jacket in forty six years, because he is a big dude. The look on Tiger's face, and how he just lovingly moved off to the left out of the camera, for Dustin to glow in the basking of it, and Tiger's absolute pride of the moment, and it explained why. Earlier, not just minutes before, when he was interviewed, he was laughing about his 10. He was talking about the Zen of golf, and he was happy doing it. It's pretty fucking remarkable. Pretty remarkable. Very cool. That's, as I recall, the rules are that the previous, the most recent winner can take their green jacket wherever they want, but then all previous winners have to leave their green jacket there in the locker room. Like, you can't just wear that around. But when you're at Augusta, you can put it on. Or something like that. And except when the year you want, then you can wear it anywhere. That's what it just said, I thought. And that's, I'm just confirming it. I wasn't quite yes. Yes. clear about it. I'm yes. sorry. It's, it's like there are other trophies. I think the British Open trophy, you can take the Claret Jug where... I don't know that you can take it off premises. But some you can. There are some trophies like that where you can have it on your mantle for a year and you have to bring it back. Right. A traveling trophy. I've got all my trophies uh, in the man cave down in the basement, which is my winter project. I've been I've been in the shed. I have a few shed stories if you want some updates. Shed some light, motherfucker. To near you. I, I did Video? something what? that wasn't on my list. Shed some light, bro. Bring it. <laughs> shed some ever-loving light on me. And so it's an interesting thing you say that because here's the story. I told you that when I built the wall, when I used the wall of the existing garage as the first wall of the shed, that I took a window out and I moved the window to now grace the front, what is the the house-facing part of the shed. And so, of course, on the inside of the garage where that window used to be, there's a hole. There's a plywood square, indention. The length of a two by four, four, two inch by 36 inch space. But next to it is a window that I left in because the wall of the, the, the T of the shed wall keeps that window external. And so that uh, window, I was looking at it and I thought well, it's all sealed up with this, this fill a crack spray. Have you ever used that? Where it's like maybe the tool. Who hasn't sprayed some fill a crack spray in their lives? I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know, but I got cracks all around me, man. So everybody who uses it pretty much overuses it, except the people who use it all the time. And that's mostly nobody. And so whenever you see it, that it, you spray, and I do this notoriously, where I have a hole and I spray and spray, forgetting, of course, it expands three times its size. So instead of a little patch where there's a crack, it ends up looking like a fucking mushroom cloud. Nice. <laughs> and you, you, take a, you just take a, a sharp knife and you, you cut it back and it's fine. But this is what was along the window. And so I took a tool I had, which had a round end on it, 
and I scraped out all of the shit that was sprayed in there where there was a crack in the window. And much to my delight, with yeah. the hinges in place, all I had to do was use a pry bar, and the window opened and could easily attach to a bungee cord on the rafter. So it opened up. It's a big window. It's three feet by uh, two and a half feet. People say this is the biggest window Air ever. In light. It's just... <laughs> Wait a minute. The air that and the light. Flashed me. It's just more, the that most just light and air. The latest Spanish uh, restoration job on, on the statue that I showed you. <laughs> I, what the fuck is going on in Spain where these people, this is a different person. Who, not, not the person who destroyed the painting. Now you have a sculptor. So you gotta, I gotta, you got to send it to chat. I got to look at it. We got we to gotta laugh about it. But it's what is it? What is and what's the what do they call it? The is it the mummy? <laughs> oh, the mummy sculpture. Oh my god. Aye. How the fuck <clears throat> do people get away with this? It looks it looks like an eight year old did it in the sand. Just poked a couple of holes for eyes and put some stones in there where the mouth is supposed to be. It's oh god, it's funny. It's not a Spanish painting. It's a Spanish sculpture. Oh. I sent it to you via email, email. It might be quicker just to search me. Why would I search you? You've done it before, big boy. Yeah, and you liked it. Let's see. I can't drag this. Find more editing work for future me. Cut it. Cut it. Oh, here it is. <laughs> So it's, it's it's this can't be true. This 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 is fake news. This can't be true. It's we your sculptures come here's another angle for you in case you don't believe it. Oh wait. Your Virgin Mary sculpture gets stuff happens. And then you need oh, to give a little touch up. I, and I, for, I, I for one could not one do a better job. <laughs> than what these <laughs> glorious people have been doing. Oh, that's right. It looks like fucking Gumby. It's just it's, not. It's a Gumby. It's a Gumby statue. Too funny. I don't know how we got on that, but I remember sending that to you. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Oh, God. I and that, hey, this pulls us uh, back to episode number one. This was our, we on our very first episode, we talked about the Ese Homo Restore restoration. Monkey Christ. Monkey Man. The Monkey Christ. Yeah. That's where we. That's why I ended up riffing about monkeys in my life. Yes. The uh, one that ran across the. So I have, I have a monkey story. I have a monkey story. It's actually this photograph that my son found in a notebook that he was using for his French class. That. I don't know if you can see. This is my wife with a monkey. With a monkey. Oh, when, my word. Back She's when, a vet, right? Yeah, she is a vet. When she came to visit me in the United States, back when we were trying to figure out what country we should live in to try and be together, she came over and spent three months, which is the maximum limit that you can spend on a tourist visa. And I happened to be living across the street from an exotic animal clinic. And you she, just... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. Stop. Yes. <laughs> stop. Okay. Let's not. Let, yes. Let's not be what, what's your nonchalant about this thing. What you just said. Okay. You just happen to be living across. It was the not planned. From an exotic animal shop. Now, do you think that there's a lot of people out there who? Oh yeah, I like a lot of people. I like a lot of people. I lived across the street from an exotic animal shop. Is that what you'd have us believe? Because it's just not true. Fake it news. It wasn't a Fake shop. News. It was an, an exotic animal clinic where oh, clinic. people from all over oh. the research triangle area oh, of smart. North Carolina would bring their Everybody, exotic animals. So many people across the street from that. There are animals. giraffes, hippos, no, manatees. I think it was mostly lizards and birds. But occasionally, the occasional monkey would appear. And anyway, she... Wait, stop there. Yes? The occasional monkey. 
that has got to be the name of the bar we're going to open together in Myrtle Beach. Because and we'll just do these podcasts there yes. live. Yes. Like because when I'm old, when I'm in my 90s. Yes. The what? The, uh, <laughs> what? The occupational monkey? The, no, not occupational. Not occupational. The occasional. The occasional monkey. Okay. That, that's and the name of the bar. What would we expect would happen there? What would we expect would happen there? Monkey business. Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> it, it, by definition, would be a monkey business, but that, well, yes. <laughs> anyway. But occasionally, they would bring in a monkey. We can make a million dollars running a bar like that. People come from everywhere to go to the fucking monkey bar. Right. Spider monkeys, whatever. It's all allowed. So the best. She, They're the best monkeys. As a fully licensed veterinarian in Spain, she walked across the street to this place and said, hey, I'm a vet. I know all the vet things. Could I volunteer here? Because I, <laughs> I don't say that really. I know all the vet things. That's that the way I assume it happened. Yes. PhD-ish. Yes. That's, that's your dumbing down so you can manage understanding it kind of thing. Of that's course. not what she said. Of course. And she didn't have a work permit, but she said, hey, can I help you guys out? And they liked her and let her hang out there and what? work as a veterinary assistant, basically. Like, she wasn't allowed to actually put in any injections or whatever, but she could prepare the injections or whatever. And for the three months that she lived with me in North Carolina, it's it was and where what city was this raleigh raleigh indeed and what were you doing in raleigh in raleigh i of, i live in wilson's mills you know where that is no where smithfield is yes wilson's mills is on the way to smithfield ha, yes, before the new highway was built yes you think you're strange dude so I was living in Raleigh because I went to North Carolina State University there, and then I was living there and working. Right. And who is the basketball team then? What? Poor connection. Who was the coach of the state basketball team then? I know. Ah, that would require me to care about sports. So... Oh. <laughs> It was after Jimmy V. But it was after Jimmy V. Yes. So yeah. So anyway, I was living there and after working. After the heart attack. After the heart attack pack. Jimmy V and the heart attack pack. I will say yes to that. Yes. And <laughs> so let me tell you about that. Can I tell you about it? I want to go about, into great about detail about every game for okay. the whole year. The heart okay. attack pack. Hold you on. Let that? me get comfortable. All right. Ready? Go. <laughs> No, go on. So where? So anyway. So anyway, the, so back to your story. For a brief moment, she lived in my apartment. Oh yes. In Raleigh, North Carolina, and worked across the street at a at an exotic and at an exotic animal clinic. And they were willing to sponsor her work permit, as as long as we paid all of the lawyers' fees. And they were. Wow. Cool. Was it difficult for her to transition? transition from, from working with monkeys to working with monkeys to going home to you i or think it, so it wasn't smooth because she really there was no difference more or less no i was difference. climbing the walls she said she, she, i think maybe her diary would say thank god when i come home there's only one monkey because i'm dealing with two and three monkeys right there's only one monkey and it's almost as if because i work so much he's almost like an occasional monkey. An occasional monkey. Tying it back into our bar. Well done, sir. This is our the occasional monkey. All right. Hey. That's the hey, episode title. Um, Speaking of well done, sir, I need to flip up here. Raise your glass for the best James Bond ever. Here's to Sean. I'm Connery. Oh, the best James Bond. Nobody came. Nobody. Although I, I liked a lot of the James Bonds, but he was the... He was where the bar was set. I actually liked the Bronson. Is that his name? 
Who's, this no. Who's the guy who started in in the Robin Williams movie where he played the woman? What's the name of that? Brosnan. Bro, Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. No. Yes, Pierce. Pierce. Pierce Brown. No. You got it. Pierce Brosnan. Is it Brosnan? Pierce Brosnan. B-R-O-S-A-N? Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan. Anyway, I liked him. Hey, you know what I saw the other day, speaking of old old guys like old movies and shit, is Chris Farley. And the right. and I, I listened to and saw a Spader, what's his name, David Spade, doing interviews and talking about the crazy stories. And one of them, one of them, he says, he was with Howard Stern. And he says, yeah, he said, yeah, there was this thing that was, it was gross. I was dating this woman who was in Playboy. And and I came into work. We saw each other in our office, which we shared this little cramped space. And we went in, and he came in a little after me. And he sat down and he said, did you did you go to the office? Did you go to the office? And he kept egging him on to go to the office. And when Spade went back to the office, there was a copy of that Playboy. And fucking Farley had jacked off all over it. Mm. And what Spade said was that what was amazing was that he had one minute. He had one minute, and it made him tell a story about Farley saying that he could come in a minute and mm. Spade saying something about how much fun is being on the end of that. And uh, then there was this, this tribute by Adam Sandler. I don't know if you've seen the, the song that he did on Saturday Night Live. But he said in an interview that Farley was the funniest person he ever met in his life. And he told a story about a wedding that they went to. And the entire wedding night was everybody at that table, rip roaring, bust your gut laughing at Chris Farley right. all night. It was touching. It was touching. Have you heard the really sad details of his death? No. It's super depressing where he, I guess he drank himself to death, but but basically there's... The, there are interviews with the at that point he was paying prostitutes to be with him just to be a friend and apparently he was such a jerk that they said no i'm leaving you and he was i don't know he had a very more alone death than we would like to have in general but it was they no one wants to be here with you we're leaving and then yeah. they found him the next morning. So that's sort of not to bring it down around to the happy hour, but it. Uh, we have to reach morbid hour. MH. Thanks to morbid hour. We'll start over. This welcome, is morbid hour. Welcome to morbid one. hour. This is the welcome saddest. Welcome to morbid hour. You, thank you for tuning in. We want to start to be... by talking about World War II in the Poland concentration camps. Death. And, on. and the the total lack of hope. Because here we are. We should spend a moment here because we laughed two episodes ago how uh, wonderful it was to have a, a podcast the day before the election. Yes. And then, of course, we'd have one a week later and we would know what the end was. And here we are a week later and and Trump made a mistake. He's so stupid. He made a mistake and acknowledged a Biden victory in a tweet. And then when he realized what he did, he said, only because it was rigged, all in caps, no concession whatsoever. But he had just tweeted and said the reason Biden won was because it was fixed. It's the first time he ever said Biden won because he's so stupid. He didn't realize he was doing it. And then Giuliani, of course, rolled out that old trope, which Trump is just famous for. And I love it when he said it in the debate. Oh, that was sarcastic. I was being sarcastic. The bleach thing, he was being sarcastic. The Right, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and so it, it goes on. But here's the thing. As this is happening, Putin is sequestered with Trump through discreet intermediaries like Jared Kushner, who has a history of being the traveling boy. And they are plotting together 
what they're going to do to maximize Putin's position in the next 20 days. And one way that happens is that the more that the focus is on the Middle East, the less it's on Russia. And, and so all sorts of shit going on with the sale of military equipment, all this budget stuff that Congress has been pretty helpless to get in the way of what he wants to change through executive, their budget that they pass by law. It's fucking ridiculous. But that's what he's doing. He's selling fucking rockets and fucking jets and shit to fucking Saudi Arabia. It, what the fuck? He's trying to destabilize. And, and so what happens next? What happens next? So the, the Russians are... Let me understand your point here. The Russians are trying to complicate things such that it looks like Trump is not only in bed with the Russians, but also in bed with the other ne'er-do-wells of Arabia. the world. Yes. Saudi uh, Arabia, specifically. But is it specifically to draw attention away from the fact that so much of the of Deutsche Bank debt is directly tied to Russia? And oh, I want to know uh, what the I'm fuck Deutsche sure. Bank is going to do. They're going to have to comply eventually. Comply and, to whom? Uh, comply to the like, United States legal inquiries that have gone all the way through the courts, and they have to turn over their records. No, but, yeah, but yeah, records but have been turned over. They've already about... been turned over. We just don't have access to them. Only the grand jury can see them. No, they'll never be released. Huh. And not through this means. Not through this means. The other point here, not to miss this point, is that the new president of the United States can simply tell the IRS to release Trump's tax statements. His tax, all of his taxes. And, and, and it isn't even an executive order. It's a directive. No, no, no. But, it's but, an executive directive. <laughs> okay, but but he owes money to Deutsche Bank in the, to the tune of yes. 40, uh, $421 million. They have expressed interest in, no pun intended, in getting paid. So they, so far he's only been paying interest from what I've heard, but at well, some point, it, like at some point, if you take money, if you take a loan, a, a loan, if you take a loan from the bank. No, a loan is right, because that's where he was. Right. He was in the loan region of their body as he was asking them for help. Yes. But it's simple enough. They become a, a partner in the new Trump network. Trump's lawyers have been working now for two years on doing a buyout of a news station that in some very mild ways has offered a, an alternative to Fox News Network. I think it's called OMAX, something like that. It's what and, Trump um, keeps saying, O-A-N, or whatever is the... Yeah, I'm not sure if it's that actually, but... Okay, maybe another lines. thing. But So is this not good news for liberals that, that the Fox audience is going to be divided? Because there are going to be some people that are... To, more loyal to Fox than to Trump, and so they're going to stay well, with Fox, uh, and they, and then Fox is going to turn he, on Trump, as well as on the liberal side. And no, no, he won't. This is the way I see this. The difference between these two networks is that Fox News has number one the lowest standards in the industry, if any, for 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 veracity, but they when like to the think the of tweeting goes reporters. on, right? When the tweeting goes on. They're going to be, as Trump is, having to respond to the rules that the tweet companies are suggesting, laying their labels on Which it, is. so this isn't true, right. or this is misguided, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's, that's what they're trying to skirt in both the, the station and then in the alternative to uh, tweet, right. which is what they're promulgating. And so here's the thing that's interesting about this. The, reportedly, the discussions have been going on for two years Two years ago, Trump said, what am I going to do when I'm done with this horse shit? I never right. expected to get this job. I didn't really want this job. This job is costing me a lot of money. Jesus Christ, I'm feeling fucking angry all the fucking time. I hate this. I hate this fucking job. Right. I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. What, why can't I be as happy as I was when I was a TV star? Why does that have to be so fleeting? Why do I have to live with all this? Two years ago, he said, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll fucking lose. It wasn't until two months ago he decided that he really didn't want to lose. When his lawyers said, oh, by the way, you will be fucking indicted. 
you fucking criminal cocksucker. You will be fucking indicted. Oh, fuck. Yeah, so that's uh, what's out there. And it's... We're beating that horse dead. I know I am. But, you know, the fucking joy, the overwhelming fucking joy that we spoke about in episode 84 is gone. It's gone. Because it wasn't true. It wasn't true when we said... Ding dong, the Trump is dead. Which old Trump? Ding dong. You know, it wasn't true. He's, you know, and we said this. I said this. I'm sure you said this. A lot of people said this. You know what? A lot can happen in 74 days, 73 days, 72 days, 69 days, et cetera, et cetera. Tick tock, Mm -hmm. tick tock, tick tock. The country is at its weakest during a transition from presidents. National security is at its weakest point on a predictable basis. Yeah, and so far they have refused to advise Biden on national security issues. Nope. Because seven president, Repu- yeah. seven, <laughs> seven senators, seven Republican senators out of, I guess, what, 50, 50 48, maybe, I can't remember, have acknowledged that he's president-elect. Major leaders of the world have, but they haven't. The Pope has, but they haven't. All the ex-presidents, all the former presidents have, but they haven't. Which is the interesting point. He has it at some point when everyone in the world takes a thing to be true. No matter what you say, even if you are the most skilled expert in saying what you want to will it to be true, at some point you can't do that anymore. If everyone in the world because you say it, it ain't true. What you can't just say it. And make it do. You're not in charge of reality. You can't make things the way you want them to be. You're a narcissist from when I met you. And I never changed my view. It can't be the way you want it. Just because you say it's true. Play that harp, mouth, harp, Eric. Boing, 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 boing. Good evening, guys. Hey, bro. It's good to see you, man. Peace. See you next time. Love. Try not to get any septuple bogeys on any part threes. Ooh, baby. Okay, that's it for episode number 85. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 085. You can help support our show by going to patreon.com slash happyhour. We would love to get a little bit of support from you. And, you know, golf is hard. Life is hard. When you make a 10 on a par 3, you just got to come back. And see you next week. Thank you.